Arlington police say protests Monday remain generally peaceful, but say there were, quote, several agitators. Send me another unit, please. Send me another unit. Look what you did to my store. A movement, I'm telling you, they're not going to stop. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. All right, welcome back to Into the Fray. Let's get to it. Here's the latest from our public-private partnership government. Coca-Cola says, try to be less white. I'm not kidding. That's the training they're giving to their employees. When I first saw it, I had to double-check to make sure it wasn't a Babylon Bee article. Nope. It was legit. Biden says minorities don't know how to use the internet. From the party that brought you anti-racism, I give you egregious racism. The, uh, the other part, portion is a lot of people don't know how to register. Not everybody in the community, in the Hispanic and the African-American community, particularly in uh, uh, rural areas that are distant and or inner city districts know how to use, know how to get online to determine how to get in line for that COVID vaccination at the, at the Walgreens or at, at, at the particular store. And it gets better. Racism trainings are becoming more and more prevalent in large corporations and public schools. There's a video online posted by Hunter Ashley Shackelford of a racism training she put on at a business. Her website states, Hunter Ashley Shackelford, she, they, is a black fat cultural producer, multidisciplinary artist, non-binary shapeshifter, hood feminist, and data futurist based in Atlanta, Georgia, with roots in Richmond, Virginia. This is the beginning of a training she put on in front of a room of all white women. All white people are racist. So <laughs> I put this up because I really want any white person in the room to know up front that this is what we're dealing with, that it's not going to be this coddling of white tears and what that looks like. We're not going to discuss, oh, maybe some of us have worked it out. No, you're always going to be racist, actually. So even when you're on your path to trying to figure out how to be a better human being, um, because I believe that white people are born into not being human, like that actually instead of people of color and black folks being dehumanized that actually everyone is dehumanized off rip within white supremacy that y'all are born into a life to not be human and that's what y'all are taught to do to be demons so in this particular way white people are all racist so i just want y'all to know that up front i think dana carvey's church lady said it best well isn't that special so white people are born demons that's not at all racist. Not at all. There's this misconception that people have to just sit there and take this kind of treatment. No. Just get up and walk out. I suggest a hearty laugh as you go. Don't engage. Just get up and leave laughing as you go. I know you can't see the video, but maybe the best part of this is that she's presenting in front of a room of entirely white women, and she's written on a large piece of poster paper in capital letters, All white people are racist. Then, just below that, it says, PayPal me at, and gives her PayPal handle. No, I'm not going to give out her PayPal handle. No one should ever give her another cent for this garbage. I have to give it to her, though. The woman has no shame. None. Now, in closely related news, Gina Carano was recently fired by Disney Plus for this tweet. Jews were beaten in the streets. 
not by Nazi soldiers, but by their neighbors, even by children. Because history is edited, most people today don't realize that to get to the point where Nazi soldiers could easily round up thousands of Jews, the government first made their own neighbors hate them simply for being Jews. How is that any different from hating someone for their political views? She's absolutely right. She's absolutely nailed this one right on the head. And this is what's happening. Directed and focused hate is an incredibly powerful force. The people who direct and focus it wield an incredible amount of power. It comes down to fear. People who are afraid tend to cower, not stand. I think the left is counting on that. I don't think they fired her for her politics. I think they fired her because she said the quiet part out loud. She pulled back the curtain just a bit too far, hit just a little too close to home. Now, The Blaze reported that the new COVID stimulus bill includes things like racially biased federal loans to businesses, a billion dollars to vaccine propaganda. I'm not kidding. The quote is, to strengthen vaccine confidence in the United States. They're spending a billion dollars to market what is reported to be a life-saving pandemic cure. The idea is laughable. If the vaccine is legit, then this is like burning through money to market a flushing toilet to someone who doesn't have one. Again, propaganda. Tens of millions to family planning, read killing babies, and health surveillance. Yay, more surveillance, just what we asked for. The NSA really is reading our mail. Just this last Christmas, I wrote to Santa and I said, Dear Santa, I'm coming up short on things the government is surveilling me on. I know you're busy, but if you could just leave a little more government surveillance in my stocking this year, I promise I will be the best boy ever. Take that, Santa naysayers. Meanwhile, the biggest corporations in America, and our president, are making clear their preference for a genocidal concentration camp-running communist regime over the American people. So there's that. Part of the reason that I do this is because I'm so sick of being surrounded by people who think that we're just dealing with business as usual. This is not business as usual. This is not politics as usual. An era has ended and a new one has begun. And until we all wake up and realize that, things are going to continue to get exponentially worse. Ooh, this one's fun. From the Daily Wire. Companies that donated to Governor Gavin Newsom to help with coronavirus were rewarded with no-bid state contracts. So, they're just overt now. The whole pay-to-play government scheme. I didn't realize we'd advance beyond the open secret stage. I thought we were still supposed to keep this one. Y'all are supposed to tell me these things. Come on now. Why else would I have a Twitter account? Oh yeah, because people's fake outrage is hilarious. I might have to do something with that. For anyone who says that socialized medicine doesn't necessarily lead to death panels, also reported by the Daily Wire, UK Watchdog Group, do not resuscitate orders given to COVID patients with learning disabilities. I mean, we can't kill people with handicaps, but we don't have to save them. The really egregious part here isn't that they're saying, we're not going to resuscitate if somebody dies of COVID. They're saying, we're not going to resuscitate this specific group of people if they die of COVID. Western civilization has crossed a line on that one. Guess who the Nazis started with? That's right. They went into the institutions and killed all of their disabled patients. It was the humane thing to do. Or so they told themselves. The same argument gets used with abortion. Oh, well, what's the quality of life for a Down syndrome kid going to be? Seriously? Why don't you go ask Down syndrome kids whether or not they'd prefer to have been killed before they were born? See how that one works out for you. We're getting to a place where human life is not valued. 
And that is a dangerous, dangerous place to be. Finally, a splash of cold water from over two centuries ago. Ricky Schlott, also at the Daily Wire, they're on fire today, put together a list of prophetic warnings from our founding fathers. I'll just hit the highlights. Benjamin Franklin worried that salaried bureaucracy could breed career politicians. Check. Thomas Jefferson dreaded the politicization of the Supreme Court. Check. James Madison warned that an unarmed people and a biased press would breed tyranny. Another check. George Washington predicted that political parties could tear the nation apart. Check, 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 check. Benjamin Franklin warned against prioritizing safety over liberty. For sure, check. People are openly having that conversation now. It's kind of ridiculous. Lastly, John Adams feared future generations would take liberty for granted. Check. That's kind of what started this podcast. I want you to remember that list the next time someone questions the intelligence of the framers in front of you. They understood how governments worked and what motivates people. They understood it so well that rather than mistakenly assuming people are naturally good or naturally bad, as all others before them had, they built their system on the premise that all people are naturally self-interested. And in their system, they pit people's self-interest against each other to check and balance it. So what was the premise of this system? David Hume, 1752. Almost all the governments which exist at present, or of which there remains any record in story, have been founded originally either on usurpation, or conquest, or both, without any pretense of a fair consent or voluntary subjugation of the people. That was 1752. And to that point, he was correct. About 40 years later, we changed that. As no natural order exists to place one person above another, Governing authority cannot be rightfully taken or created. The authority to govern can only be had by permission of those being governed, and can, of necessity, be revoked by the same means. We have to have law and enforcement of law. Without it, any person would be subject to the whims and will of any other person stronger than themselves. Might would determine outcome instead of truth or correct principle. This is where the phrase might makes right comes from. It is the clearly mistaken belief that there is no good and evil, and right is determined by whomever is strong enough to dominate. To counter this danger, governments have been tasked with protecting individual rights, maintaining order, and serving as an authority for redress of wrongs. To counter the danger of government becoming the very evil it was meant to protect against, the Constitution was written, and by consent of the governed, it was adopted and made the supreme law of the land. All the measures included in the Constitution are intended to a singular end, to ensure that no person or group is set above the rest. That's not equity. That's equality. No government enforcement of class or caste. Or, at least, that's how it was supposed to run. There's also this if-you-can-keep-it clause implied that requires us to be disciplined and responsible in self-governing. We have to keep that part up ourselves. We keep sending the same kind of people to Washington and to our state legislatures. That's on us. We live in a nation unique in its purpose, and even more so in its origin. Governments rise and fall, power changes hands as the turning of the tides, and history is no stranger to wandering borders, revolving heads of state, and unhappy subjects. Many oppressed people have risen up in defense of their freedom, only to discover that their lust for power was greater than their love of liberty. Revolutions end in blood by tyrants, or blood by anarchy followed by blood by tyrants. Over and over we see this pattern, making any extensive account of history a dizzying, nauseating, repetitive narrative. 
Then a small coastline of colonies decided they would not be subject to laws they had no hand in making. There were many attributes that set these colonies apart from other rebellers, but among the chief were their foundation in religious liberty, their love of God, and the rare and honorable men we affectionately came to call the Founding Fathers. Those men were well-educated, some at prestigious colleges and others alone by candlelight late into the evening. They'd studied history, law, and the great political philosophers of the Enlightenment, and they knew the principles of liberty and natural law. From Locke, they learned that all men are, in nature, born equal, and therefore there exists no natural state in which one man is subject to another. Only by consent can he be subject, and in giving that consent, he exercises and retains his individual liberty. From David Hume came the proposition that for no other reason would a man give that consent excepting their sense of the advantages resulting from peace and order. Natural law is not the result of the desires or collaborations of men. It refers to the laws of nature that govern existence. All men are created equal. Wickedness never leads to happiness. For every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. From natural law comes an understanding of natural rights. A living being has the right to defend its existence. Rights are inseparably linked to responsibilities. Privacy is protected to prevent nefarious actors from gaining advantage over its owner. Thomas Jefferson, when the government fears the people, there is liberty. When the people fear the government, there is tyranny. Do you think the government fears us? Does a government that fears the people invite CNN to set up a head of a raid on a political arrest? Does a government that fears the people drag a triple amputee veteran out of his home without his assistive devices for an alleged white-collar crime? Does a government that fears the people rifle through every byte of their internet data, every moment of every day? Look at the Time Magazine article. Do you think the politicians who perpetrated the fortified election fear the people? How do you think we got here? Complacency and dependency are the death nail of liberty. We live in a country and a society that is breaking. We cannot sustain ourselves with the choices we're making as a nation. As a society, we've come to expect government to solve our problems for us. Our society has begged over and over for the government to be helicopter parents, always taking care of us, always solving our problems for us, always fighting our battles for us, stepping in before anything happens, restricting the rights of others because of what we fear they might do. Our society has demanded government remove all obstacles, all weights, all exertion, and now we suffer the consequence. Atrophy. We. Are. Weak. As a society, we are weak, pathetic, namby-pamby whiners with no spine, no muscle, no heart, and a very confused and twisted brain. Our society has created multi-generational welfare to avoid responsibility. Our society is pushing hard for socialized everything so that government gives us everything. Texans, of all people, are upset because they voted for politicians and policies that built them an unstable power grid. That's on them, the same way it is in California. And now they're turning to those same politicians to fix it. Guess what, Texas? You're becoming California. We don't trust our neighbors, so we demand our government restrict their rights at the point of a gun. Ask yourself, who's killed more people? Government or your neighbor? We tax and tax and tax each other to pay for the things that we want, rather than working cooperatively together to solve our problems and meet our needs. We worship material, which ironically is not a capitalist thing. It's a Marxist thing. The free market is all about making a living by meeting others' needs. It's Marxism that preaches that you never have enough and other people are oppressing you. 
Worst of all, our society sacrifices children to the god of avoiding responsibility. The bill is going to come due on that one. Killing babies isn't something we can just keep doing with impunity. The bill is going to come due, and it's going to be a big tab. Like it or not, we're responsible for ourselves. It's an immutable fact of nature. Rocks are hard, cactus are spiky, gravity doesn't care how high the drop is. These facts can be ignored, but not avoided. I can't tell you how many people I'm surrounded by who actively and knowingly ignore everything going on because they just don't want to deal with it. Some of these people voted for Biden because they didn't know what was going on. They didn't see him fumbling all over himself. They didn't look into his policies. They didn't know about his shady connections with China. They didn't know about his son's laptop. The same son he flew to China on Air Force Two, allegedly to make those same shady deals. The consequences of a Biden-Harris presidency can't be avoided. The facts can be ignored, but not avoided. Our society is made up of millions of individuals, each with their own views, biases, intents, interests, motives, the sum of which has led us to the brink of destruction. We have been bribed with our own money, debauched into addiction, and pampered into subjugation until we, as a society generally, teeter on the brink of giving up, laying down, and accepting our masters. I saw a comic a long time ago. I wish I could remember who by. It humorously depicts a grandfather in his study, surrounded by books, sitting across from his grandson saying something to the effect of, those who don't learn history are doomed to repeat it, and those who do are doomed to watch everyone else repeat it. A drop of water in the ocean cannot by itself change the tides, but a collection of drops, all moving together, create a current that changes all life on earth. A current of people, all moving with intent, can be an incredible force for good. The majority of people when they're engaged, tend to choose good. But that's not what's happening. Far too many of us are being complacently swept along, with most of the drops in the current inactively floating along whatever course that current takes. The fringes, which should have been overwhelmed by an engaged majority, are now directing the flow. In our ease and comfort, we've allowed fringe and extremist ideologies to take hold. In our illusion of security, good people have slackened their hold on the principles that made us free and prosperous. In the singular pursuit of good things, making a substantial living, enjoying the fruits of prosperity, our society has neglected the foundations those good things were built on. The result looks bleak. Widespread talk of re-education camps, treating conservatives like insurgent terrorists, the eradication of more of our rights, substantially higher taxes, and just all-around terrible and nefarious policymaking generally, don't point in an optimistic direction. It looks bleak, but it doesn't have to be. There's no ready answer. There's no captain, my captain, to rally behind. The change comes from cooperative action. It comes from being informed, having these conversations with friends and neighbors, supporting good and honest politicians. Yes, there are still a handful of them out there. And putting political pressure on the bad ones until they can be replaced. We're not sheep. We don't follow. We do not go with the flow. We lead. Before the current can change direction, People have to know what direction to move. To know that, they have to know what they believe in, what principles they choose to found themselves on, and why those principles are right. It's pretty tough to stay motivated against persistent opposition if you're not entirely sure you're right. If we want to be the current that drives liberty, we have to know what liberty is, why it's right, what principles drive it, and how it operates. Our aim must be to save the Constitution, not just the documents and the basic tenets, but the fundamental principles of freedom, self-reliance, and self-discipline, 
on which it's founded. A free society has to be vigilant, or it will not long remain free. Complacency can have no place in us. The history of the world is a long succession of misery brought on by the abuses of government. We're repeating all the oldest mistakes. If we're going to change course, we have to know both the mistakes of the past and the imperatives of our intended destination. They say an addict won't change until they hit rock bottom. America has become addicted to comforts and diversions, to the point where all else is neglected in their pursuit. Rock bottom would be a total loss of those comforts and diversions, and the loss of everything that allowed us to reach such a level of affluence. We actually can have our cake and eat it too. We can live comfortably, retain our rights, and uphold the constitutional principles that got us this far. We just have to stop resting on our laurels. There's work to be done. All right, I'm going to leave it there. As always, you can find me on Twitter, at RealIntoTheFray, and now Parlor's back up, so I'll be there too. Till next time, be informed, stay safe, don't do anything stupid. (laughs) 